Awesome. Christophe, thank you for being on the Stepsero podcast. We had uh, a couple of chats already. I know a little bit about, uh, about your background. Um, author, certified coach, mindfulness teacher. Um, you've been in learning development, learning and development for, for quite a while now. And, and you're still very young, but you have a lot of experience. Um, welcome to the podcast. And uh, thanks for you know, helping us support mental health within the, within the community. Oh, thank you, Matteo, for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, um, Christoph. Like I, of course, like I, like I said, like I did spy a little bit on you on on LinkedIn, on Google. I saw I saw part of your um, of your meditation seminars, and uh, and I was I was like I said, positively struck by it. Um, may I ask you to share a bit about your own background uh, and specifically what led you to embrace this career, this path? And, uh, and why overall mental health as a, as a concept and mental well-being as a, con- as a concept is so crucial to you? Sure, um, I'm happy to. It's, it's a big first question. Um, it's 42 years of life experience in a, few, in a matter of seconds, but here goes. Um, so I was born and raised in Belgium. And I was always a child that was very um, inquisitive. I always wanted to know how life worked and and what people did when they weren't in work and so it i i want to do i'm an experience um someone who who learns by experience i want to do things i want to try things and so it wouldn't surprise you that i didn't follow the the standard academic route into adult life um so i did attempt uni in belgium when i was what, 17 18 years old and after two years decided that that was no longer for me and i wanted to travel and i wanted to see the world so i found a job in aviation as cabin crew and everything was um going very smoothly and i was really enjoying it but then after the events of 9 11 unfortunately the belgian national airline sabina went under and there I was without a job and without an academic qualification and yeah what I did have was this this curiosity like I said I wanted to just find out what was around the corner for me and so I I thought this was very much a door opening and not closing and that doesn't mean to take away from the, the stress that being made redundant comes with of course it's a very stressful couple of weeks but i very much saw it as a door opening so i found another job as airline cabin crew and this time it was japan airlines and that required a move to the uk because in those days japan airlines had a um, a london and a frankfurt european cabin crew base and uh, so I carried on flying for a further two years until jet lag really got the better hand of me and I had become physically rather exhausted and it was time for a change. And I joined Emirates this time, not as cabin crew, but as a contact center agent. So I was, because I was still very passionate about traveling, but I could do the traveling in my head, helping people, making bookings and, and holiday reservations without doing the actual traveling and um, so it was it was nice to come home every night and um, but of course that was a little bit of um, no not a step back it was it was a gear change because it wasn't the best paid job 
and it was it was a means to an end at the time because i i didn't really know what what i wanted to do but i'm glad that i stuck with it because if you fast forward i think i took phone calls for about a year and a half and then one day i i went up to um my team leader and i said look we've been trained for six weeks on systems how to make bookings how to do this how to do that all very technical but I've noticed that in the foundation course, there is no customer service training whatsoever. Now I bring, you know, five, six, seven years of cabin crew experience. And I'm also learning about this life coaching course that I'm doing. And I was studying NLP courses at the same time, you know, and I, I just saw like an opportunity to string everything together. And so I wrote my very first, what turns out to be my very first lesson plan and i took it up to the team leader and and she took it up to the management team and i was asked to or i was offered an opportunity to deliver a one day customer service workshop uh, which sounds really which sounds really um crazy because this is this is about 18 years ago you'd think a big airline like emirates has customer service training of course these days it does but in those days it was very systems driven and that became the start of a 15-year career in learning and development. And today, I run my own training and coaching consultancy. And I still focus on soft skills training, i.e. customer service, leadership development, coaching skills, and so forth. But I particularly focus on mindfulness, which is born from my own experiences of stress, and anxiety and you know we, we live in a, in a in a stressful world so i have found mindfulness to be a very helpful not just a tool but a way of life and it's something that i want to share with as many people as possible and so that's that's where where we are today oh that's um you know, we, we touched on your on your background prior to the recording and, and you know, of course, you told me about your, your experience in, in aviation. I didn't have the actual, you know, detail and that's why I was, I was really focused and I'm taking notes um, on, on, this, uh, on this switch that you made within, mm -hmm. your, within your job environment to have that, uh, that vision, so to speak. Uh, and that was probably, I guess, your, your first contact with uh, with learning and development and actually and actually taking this sense and organization to the next level right because today today we speak about learning and development um, with uh, with bigger corporations and it sounds almost like a fancy word but to to people who are in it they understand how crucial it is for for company growth for employee retention um, for for you know employee overall well-being and that's why you know, I'm so happy to have you on this uh, on this podcast because we always tend to, you know, on this podcast we always want to tie um, certain practices with with well-being in the in the professional space. And I think that you really embody um, this uh, this idea of somebody who who's always been, like you said, curious to to know more and discover more. And then you found a way to to share these learnings and this sort of passion to other people within the professional environment. And I think this is, uh, this is something that, you know, hopefully I, I wish there would be more people like you within, within companies, you know, this is, it would be, it would be life. It would be make, it would maybe making like everyone's life so much, so much easier. Um, let me, 
let me then ask you, you know, you, you touched on, you know, coaching for soft skills, mindfulness, mm-hmm. um, self, self-actualization. Mm. Um, is this, let's say, is it correct to say that all of this goes into, into um, learning and development in a general sense? So when you, when you say learning and development, is this somehow an umbrella, an umbrella term to, to encompass them all? Yeah, I think that's fair. It can be. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about bettering ourselves, learning new skills, talking about aspirations we have, goals we want to achieve, finding the means to, to help us get there. And that can be on a personal level, that can be on a professional level, it can be a combination of both. So I think learning and development is not just within a corporate environment it can be an umbrella approach for, for life in general got it and and so i, I will you know be prepared because there will be quite a few questions during this conversation <laughs> I, I i really intend for you to um to to do the to do the talking because i you know obviously you're you're the expert but i you know my hope is to is to get as many as many learnings through you as a, as i can so when when you let's say, deliver on learning and development um, during your, you know, your remit, uh, in, your, in your coaching, uh, during your coaching remit, what are the, um, I would say, what is the, the main target audience and who, what do you hope to get out of it? In my coaching consultancy? Correct. It's a combination of one-on-one individual clients to working with smaller teams, such as team leaders or a team of account managers, um, to working with, with larger teams within companies of, across all sectors and, and of all sizes. And it's, it's beautiful to see how a, a dynamic, a concept, a mechanism like coaching or mindfulness can be successfully taught and implemented across different companies, literally from a customer service department to in, 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 a, in a global airline to a waste management company and, 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 and automotive industry and everything in between. Because ultimately we're working with and, and you're supporting human beings and the job titles and the you know the company on the business card doesn't really matter it's about helping those human beings to connect with their strengths with their weaknesses and with whatever it is that they want to put under the microscope and improve upon so it's 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 beautiful to to be in a position to do that and i never take it for granted it's um it's a privilege and, and a joy hmm. interesting how how aware are you know leaders and, and companies and managers you speak to about you know the need for for learning and development and for ultimately bettering people and teams within their organization? Is it something that you think has improved over the last years? Um, is there you know, a positive trend? Um, are, you, are you confident that this will be uh, even more and more important in the future? 
how aware are leaders of the need for development? That's, that's your question, right? Um, it's a great question. I, I, I believe they are very aware of it. Um, whether they do something with that realization or not, that's the question. I think the business performance speaks for itself when there is not enough focus on supporting your teams with learning and development initiatives. Um, but it's, it's rolling out the initiatives that are the right ones and that are, the, the, that are inspirational enough to actually make a difference, be that technical skills development or, or soft skills. Um, so I think they're definitely aware of the need for, for something to change within an organization. Whether they take that forward or not is, um, yeah, that's another thing. And I think that's the mark of what I call a conscious leader, someone who can actually acknowledge and then address the issues at hand and say we need to bring someone in. Or actually, before we do that, we need to sit down with the rest of the leadership team and discuss what could be helpful what could um, and what do we need to do to to get our employees on board to get everyone on board um, to make this rollout as effective as as possible and then they can do that with the help of an external provider or of course with um, you know with the help from their own internal learning and development department or a combination of both which is um, sometimes an interesting dynamic but that's that's probably for another conversation <laughs> No, look, it's it's interesting, and I I I'm I'm really happy to to pick your brain on this because, you know, it's it and and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because obviously I have my I guess my my ideas on on learning and development. Uh, of course, I come from you know different background, and I don't have as much experience as you as you have. But uh, you know, I I always tend to to notice that when it comes to when it comes to bettering people and to to really caring about um, humans' well-being, whether it's on, on you know, the physical or the mental side uh, within the professional environment, this is often oh. seen as sort of an overhead cost, right? So there is always, you know, there's always profit first, uh, whether it's, you know, or ROI or revenue or, or growth, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and then there's, um, you know, there's uh, things like the right use of technology and software and automation and then at the end of the chain, there's always somehow um, this, this tinier box that, that some companies tick just because they have to, it feels like, and that's employees' well-being or, or people's well-being. And, you know, obviously, I believe, I believe that most people know that, that the, the dynamic should be almost reversed, right? Like people come first. Um, the, the business is about ultimately your people. And, and if, the, if the business thrives, it's normally because your people thrive, right? Why do you think, and again, as I said, like, feel free to, to take a different angle or tell me that I'm wrong, but uh, why do you think, uh, if that's the case, why is it so, so um, difficult for companies to really embrace this sort of people-first mentality and really come up and strive to come up with processes that better their, their employees rather than thinking about, let's say, the financial bottom line first? It's a great question. And... I'm scanning through my thoughts in terms of giving you an answer that I, that I feel is, is helpful and, and relevant. I think, first of all, 
and and you're right i mean even the other day i had a i had someone in a position of power tell me um and obviously this is being recorded during the second lockdown here in the uk who said what you offer is essential but not a priority and i was like ouch that's you know um but because of my, I suppose, my own mindfulness practice, I understood what that person meant by that. And I chose not to go down the, the judgmental route, which is something that I would have done, perhaps I would have done a, a couple of years back, where it would have been like, you know, um, your people are important, your people make the business, your people connect the business with the customers, the people are in the front line, on the front line, they're in the trenches, they are the ones who need the support. And of course, I still, I still stand by that. And, and, and those are values that I hold. But I can also see why in this day and age for companies, it is so, it's, it's challenging. And that's the bottom line, um, not just in terms of finances, but it is very challenging and employee well-being and investing in employee well-being initiatives is not always going to be the, 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 the priority. Simply if, to, if they want to keep the business afloat, um, other choices have to be made. And so my point is that as much as I would like people to reach out to companies like mine and so that we can come in and, and do our thing, it's... You know, it takes two to tango. And um, right now, it's, it's essential for companies to look after the, employee, uh, the well-being of their employees. But there can be different ways that mm, don't necessarily involve great financial commitments to support employees. And maybe that's where we can, we, we can, we can start um, as, an, as an interim solution. Um, and I'm thinking... And maybe this is this is part you know a different part of our conversations. But you can point your employees in in the direction of resources that are very helpful, that don't cost the earth. And then when the economic climate um, changes and the economy picks up again, then maybe different types of investment can be made. So I, I, you did say, feel free to give a different angle on the question. Um, I feel that's what I did because we, like I said, the times are difficult and um, we can't just say, ah, the big boss is wrong. He or she should put their employees first. It's, it's, I don't think it's as simple as that, unfortunately. Well, and I, you know, in all honesty, I think that's what makes you a standout person. You know, like, uh, no, I, I'm not sure. A lot of people in your position would have would have answered the question so clearly and so and so honestly. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking taking this angle and and let me then um, let me then ask because like I said, like there will be a lot of questions and there's there's so much <laughs> that I think I can I can um, you know ask you and and learn from. How would you explain the connection between that mental well-being? and learning and development, uh, whether it's, you know, you be doing the coaching or like you mentioned, let's say in times like this, maybe the company pointing employees towards specific resources. Like wh where do you see this, uh, this uh, two coming together? So I think the invitation for any L&D team is to adopt a, a holistic approach 
to learning and development. And that it is not just about the, the skill, closing a skills gap. You know, uh, we have account managers, we need them to close faster, sooner, more often, you know. And uh, we need them to present with more confidence. We need them to do this, that, and the other, uh, which is all great and, and necessary. Um, but the invitation is to kind of identify which other ways in which the LND team can support the other teams. And that includes, you know, people within the LND teams because everyone's a human being and everyone needs support. And then maybe talking about mental health for LND is something we, we could talk, we could circle back to later. Um, but so it's tempting for an LND team to go in and say, okay, most mental ill health issues in the workplace come from too much, um, you know, not enough resilience, for example. So we're going to do some resilience training. And it's, these, this is one of the things that doesn't really sit right with me, Matteo, because resilience, just to stick with this particular example, is yes, you can train on becoming more resilient, but it is not a tape, in my opinion, it's not a tape that I can come and stick into someone's head. Resilience is a result. You do things, then you look back and you realize, ha, huh, I did it. I overcame this or that. Therefore, my resilience muscle has strengthened, you know, uh, because everything else or most other things, in my opinion, are flash in the pan fireworks motivational training or resilience training and it doesn't always last it's it's very much a muscle that needs to be trained so to come back to your question um it's about taking the pulse throughout the organization with regards to what is really going to be of help to our people you know um and you can you can you know the question is how do you how do you find out right i mean how do you how do you get to the to the bottom of someone's um you know world so to speak and and very often people you see them every day in the workplace but you hardly know who they really are and what they really need and what where they are really um, feeling anxious or where they're really kind of in need of, of something different. And unless you do that, no amount of conventional off-the-shelf training, no matter how brilliantly designed and delivered it is, is going to hit, you know, where it needs to hit the target because you're focused on the wrong, on, 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 um, on the wrong objectives altogether. So, yeah, get close up close with your with your employees and find out what they what's going on, you know, what they need, and and it may be very different from the traditional skills training. That's yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Like, and and it it really makes me it really makes me think, um, and and I hope that's a, that's a relevant question in the sense. But like, would you say that this is maybe the tougher part of uh, of conducting a training you know whether it comes from an external coach or an internal um, internal i guess let's call it human resource or employee or manager uh, within the organization is, is is it the tough part to identify where to start and and gather enough information to to understand what would make uh the training effective 
So let's say, let's say, you know, like you, you spoke, for example, and I think it's uh, obviously it makes a lot of sense to start with understanding, you know, what would be useful to the team and to individual. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, um, based on that, you know, craft a, a training together and uh, which, which could address, address, you know, not necessarily uh, a, a technical gap in, in skills, but maybe a completely different set of skills. Um, what happens in this case if, you know, I have a hard time getting this information in the first place? Like, is this, do you think, like a big bottleneck for, or is this one of the tough uh, initial steps for, for a coach um, to, to conduct this training and get results eventually? I think it, it's a beautiful question. Um, I think it's, it can be tough for a coach, uh, internal or external, or anyone in a leadership position, uh, from team leader to senior executive. Um, and so I think that the tough part is not so much in understanding what somebody needs. I think the toughest part is for whoever is trying to find out what somebody else needs is to let go of red tape and structure and formats and templates that come with the, the stereotype profile of a coach or a leader. And I'm not saying that none of that is relevant or helpful. It is helpful and it is relevant. But I feel that today what people need to say nothing for how they wish to be approached is very different. It has changed from what it used to be. So it's about connecting with somebody, i.e. a team member, whether that is the lady or the gentleman sitting at the switchboard in reception or it's a senior colleague who's been there for 15 years, whatever. It's a way of connecting that is new, that is fresh, and that instills some kind of confidence in people. And it's very hard to put into words um, because it's, it's, an, it's, an it's an energetic dynamic that will inspire people to open up and it creates um, a, a container of trust, you know, a, a space of trust within which a, an employee will open up and tell you, or is more likely to tell you, actually, this is what's going on in my world. Wouldn't it be great if, or if only I knew how to deal with that? You know, to, and if you listen carefully for those clues, you can usually extract a great deal of. Um, of information that you can work with. And then conversely, of course, say you do have all that information. You don't go in like a bull in a china shop and say, okay, we're going to sort, your, sort out your mental health. No, absolutely not. Again, it's, it's, um, it's a privilege, I think, to be able to go in and have a dialogue with somebody that may benefit their mental well-being. So you go in with care, you go in with respect, and you continue the dialogue and that's when that's when that um trust container can keep growing and that's when i i believe and i've seen this uh, many times that's when people open up that's when change can occur
But if you're going, as with any type of training, and you force change to happen, it usually doesn't end very well. Oh, or it doesn't last very long. So it's the, the nutshell is stop performing and start connecting. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you don't care or that you're no longer striving and that you're no longer keen to meet objectives. That's not what that means. It's about taking a, a step back from the, the, you know, the, the suffocating pressure to succeed and you connect instead simply by listening to people start a conversation find out a little bit more about you know what what annoys them what inspires them just and 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 listen without prejudice without judgment and you you'll be amazed if you if you're really keen to listen which is very difficult to do but if you're really committed to listening deeply you will hear things that are not being said. That's such a such a good way to to explain it, and and I had sort of an explosion of thoughts in my head, you know, like because because if I if I could, I would make this conversation last for another eight hours, um, and you know, I I was thinking that maybe this is exactly the reason why, and and I I tried to you know of course as a I've worked for for a few companies, and I, and of course, I've been I've been in the position where, you know, certain processes or approaches could have been could have been done better uh, to everyone's benefit. And I think that's really the the power of sometimes like an external coach like yourself coming into a company because when you try to have this connection with your own manager, and you know, I've been on both sides. I've been managed and I've managed people. I see how difficult it is to sort of like being not judgmental and and try to sort of disconnect and leave aside everything that you know you mentioned the red tape or you know leave aside all those that are the sort of corporate processes and have a complete different approach and there is always this sort of uh, this sort of uh, tension professional tension let me let me put it this way that yeah. prevents people from from being completely open to each other because you might think you know if you as as a manager you receive feedback as as to something that could have been done better then you might immediately think oh am i am i a bad manager am i you know is it some is it is this like a, a critique to to myself is is there something that i could do better are they not happy with me as a manager and at the same time on the flip side an employee talking to to their to their manager could you know could be sort of afraid to to mentioning certain things because that could fire back in their say performance review right and, and so while you were speaking I was thinking that that's exactly one of the big advantages to me, of course, that's my, that's my personal opinion, to have somebody who has, you know, your experience coming from, um, say, as a third party, so to speak, and really trying to, to put these pieces together without, you know, any, any judgment, but really, like you said, beautifully, by starting a conversation and starting a, starting a connection. And that's, and that's I think, such a simple but extremely powerful concept. And again, simple but not easy, right? And as I was listening to you, Matteo, I came, I had a few thoughts uh, coming to me as well. Um, leaders, again, across all levels of the organization could also 
consider leading by example in terms of the whole mental health um, dynamic. So for example, sharing something that's perhaps a little bit more seen as vulnerable or which, which will help to create that, um, that safe space, that container that I mentioned earlier. Because if I, as a team member, see that my team leader doesn't shy away from saying, oh gosh, that's a good question. I really don't know the answer, but um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked me. I've never, you know, I have no idea, but let's go and find out. Then that sort of what may be perceived as a vulnerable and weak approach, but obviously it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite. Um, that is going to inspire me to also be more of that. You know, I'm going to take more initiative knowing that it is safe for me to ask and because I don't know, but I, I want to show that I'm ready to, to take the next step. I want to go further. I want to better myself. I want to improve on my skill set. But because I see that it's safe to do so within the organization, I, I actually do it. Whereas I think what you see a lot is making mistakes is stigmatized so much that um, people don't ask for help and then often end up making a mistake anyway. <laughs> so it's, it's a shame. But if you have leaders who walk the talk and who can say like, oh my goodness, I need to go and have lunch now without my phone, without, I need time away from my screen, I need five minutes of fresh air, um, and, and normalize that, then those, those kind of things are very inspirational for people to see. You know, it doesn't always, it doesn't requ always require a big mental health training initiative. It's, it's in, in, in showing each other how to do it differently, small, small steps. So that's one thing I wanted to share. And the other is um, perhaps a little bit more, um, I was going to use the word extreme, but maybe that's not the right word. Anyway, it's out there now. Um, because so many of us are working from home and the lines between life and, and, and office are quite blurred, we spend a lot of time, of course, using the internet and you use platforms such as LinkedIn, for example. Well, can you, with a little bit of vigilance and awareness, is perhaps a friendlier word, with a bit of awareness, can you keep an eye out on the posts that some of your colleagues put out there on the social media channels and read them with a, a fresh um, you know, pair of eyes and see if there's something written between the lines that, that, that you can't quite, you know, that you think mm, that doesn't quite sit right or maybe that's a bit out of character. And then there you go. That's another nugget. If you want to see it, you will. And that could be another conversation starter. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that's an obligation. That's not, I'm not saying that's something people have to do. What I'm saying is it's the invitation again, isn't it? It's if you want to, to keep an eye out for each other, then you, you know, you can, you can do that. I, I, I agree a thousand percent. Um, that's, that's, that's so important what you, what you mentioned. And it really, you know, and there was, there was, last point that I wanted to touch with you but you you basically went there yourself and that's 
you know, we spoke, we spoke the first time, the first time we had the, we had the chance to speak, it was, it was a few days ago. And we, 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 we mentioned this, well, you specifically mentioned this gap between what is seen as, as HR and the rest of the company, right? Like, or, or, you know, whether it's HR or, or whoever takes care of, of learning and development, because, you know, learning and development at the end of the day, it's sometimes seen as a subset of, of the HR, uh, HR department. And, and this is exactly, you know, what you mentioned about, you know, looking out for, for your colleagues and, and reading their posts between the line and, or leading by example and, and walking the talk as a, as a manager. That's exactly that sort of uh, behavior, conduct, practice, whatever you want to call it, that may help bridge this gap between, you know, what may come from, from HR department or L&D department. Mm-hmm. With the rest of the organization, right? Is is that something that I mean? Would you agree with this? Do you say there's more to it, or that's exactly part of the solution? No, I think I think that's um, that's quite accurate. And I think everyone has. You're one company. Yes, there are different departments, but everybody, you know, um, it's all connected at the end of the day. And so, yeah, no, I think you're right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and just to you know, a shout out for, for people listening, like you, you speak about this gap specifically in your videos and you have, you have tons of material out there. You have, uh, you have meditation um, sessions, you have, um, well, mindfulness sessions and, and, and you have, um, you know, this specifically was a, was a video on YouTube of you, you know, explaining how this gap is, um, is created and, and sort of like having these two opposite, opposite poles, right? Um, and let me, let me say, you speak a lot about, you know, a couple of concepts that uh, that um, to me are just are just great and and, and relevant. Um, and and you may you may hear them often, but I feel like you have um, you have this special angle to it. And and you speak a lot about you know being in the now versus doing, oh. right? And uh, and may I ask you to you know as we go towards the end of our discussion, unfortunately, like may I ask you to to maybe touch a little bit on that and, and explain what your take is on, on that. Cause I thought that was like a very, to me, it spoke directly to me and I think it's a very significant concept. So thank you for asking the question because I love to talk about this. So again, my challenge is to keep this very short and sweet, which is difficult when you're passionate about something. Um, but I will try the, the being versus doing it's a beautiful concept that's especially relevant to the world of mindfulness. And so what we're talking about is the being mode versus the doing mode. And the doing mode is not just about being active and doing stuff, but the doing mode is usually about wanting a situation to be different. You want to change something and very often you don't really like yourself to put it bluntly when you're in the doing mode. Um, very often you're trying to outperform your anxiety, for example. Um, and you see this in the office, you see this in, uh, I see it with friends, I see it with family, you see it in, in, in your, you know, in the world around you. There are people who, and I'm saying all this with love and respect by the way, but I'm just trying to get to the, you know, to the point as quickly as I can. There are people who are, who cannot sit still, for example, because they are, they're, they're not comfortable with what they think would catch up with them when they do sit still. And so they're constantly running away from it. And that is very different from 
the productive doing mode. You cannot be productive when you are running away from things, you know, maybe temporarily, but it comes back and it's going to wear you out until you become no longer productive. That is why, um, so for example, with, with the whole lockdown situation, there is a lot of anger around gyms being closed. And I go to the gym and I love going to the gym. And the gym is very helpful in terms of um, maintaining your mental well-being. But if you have, again, I'm being very direct here. If, if you have an issue, the gym alone is not going to fix it. You need other types of support. So it's, it's very important to consider shifting from the doing mode to what is called the being mode. And when you're in the being mode, you, and this is going to sound a little bit contradictory, but hear me out. It's all about not needing a situation to change, as in not needing the situation to change. Do you hear that difference in pressure? It, there is no pressure here. Um, you allow a situation to be as it is. Within the, you know, within within reason, of course. If 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 it's a life or death situation, get out of the situation. Yeah, but I'm talking generally speaking. And you usually love yourself a lot more. You respect and appreciate yourself a lot more when you when you come from the doing. Sorry, from the being mode. So, for example, and this is why this means so much to me because I have my own experiences of moments of anxiety and it was mindfulness and i can say that say this hand on heart and if i can if i only want the world to know one thing it is that if you struggle with anxiety consider learning more about mindfulness practice get someone who can teach it to you and i'm not saying i'm not saying it's a panacea it is not a panacea but it can be very helpful so if you want to not just go to the gym, but explore something else. Mindfulness is definitely something that I would recommend. Anyway, I'm going to give you a very specific example. So there used to be a time where I would say you go out with, with a bunch of friends or you are in, a, in an office meeting or whatever it is, and you feel anxious. Why are you feeling anxious? Well, one of the reasons is because you want that situation to be different and you want to change the situation. And in that moment, you feel pretty bad about yourself. And aren't those the three things that I just mentioned that are part of the doing mode? So when I'm in that doing mode, like this is a meeting, but I don't want this. I don't like this meeting. I don't like the way it's going. I want it to be different. I don't, oh my God, I, I'm a failure. I'm this. And that whole, blah, 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 it's, it's a vicious downward spiral. Learning how to shift from the doing mode to the being mode. Like ah, I'm in a meeting now. And okay, I, I observe that I'm not liking what is being said or, or what is happening. But that's fine. That's fine. Let's, let, let me just be with this situation as it is for now, knowing that I can always go back and change something later. I don't need to change anything. I don't need to control this whole show here. And I'm fine as I am. I am lovable and I am part of this team and I can be valued and respected because I value and respect myself. And that shift from doing to being is, for me at least, was enough to help me overcome my anxiety. And people will pick up on it. Um, there is, there's people who, who say, you, you, you have become so much calmer. And it's like, 
yeah, it's because I don't feel like I need to fix everything all the time. And as a coach, interestingly enough, if you don't mind me adding this, it was quite, it was an interesting transition from as a coach, you go in and you, you're hired to fix things, so to speak. You're hired to, to create a difference and to help generate a difference. But when I can come in as a mindfulness guide, this, the real changes that need to come up and come out of people happen in a much more, in my opinion at least, in a much more organic, natural, authentic way. And therefore, they are more... more um, credible for the person who is experiencing them and much more inspirational to actually follow up and therefore they will last and, and it's absolutely beautiful because mindfulness sounds like or can sound like it is something light and esoteric and it's it's friendly and it's you know it's not as like tough as coaching or leadership development but it's incredibly powerful and it comes with a beautiful, rich history, um, which we now uh, really can't go into. But there's a reason why it has helped, why mindfulness meditation has been helping people for thousands of years and, and carries on doing so. So that, sorry, it was a little bit longer than I predicted. But that's, uh, yeah, that's what I feel passionate about. Shifting from the doing to the being mode makes all the difference. If, if anything too short, you know, like, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy I asked you, I asked you this question. I'm really happy you're, you're so, so passionate about it because I see, I see, I see it being so applicable to so many areas. And, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, it may come across as sort of counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. when you switch to this, to this, you know, to the, to the being mode, the being in the now mode, you know, you might at first see it, see it as, you know, almost, I wouldn't say laziness or... Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's exactly, exactly the opposite. It puts you in a state of mind where you can actually be even more productive. And this, this conversation, Matteo, is... And I don't know how it comes across to the listeners, of course, but that is their in, invitation to interpret. But I'm speaking from my position, from my heart, and from the energy that I'm feeling for myself and for us is... Um, the doing mode would have been, oh my God, I'm going to be interviewed by Matteo. This is a new person. It's a new podcast that I'm not familiar with. There's a new audience that I could reach and I need to come up with all the perfect questions and answers and, and experiences and examples. And what if I fail? And, and that is very much the doing mode. The being mode is, wow, I get to connect with another human being today and we're going to talk about something that he is passionate about that I'm passionate about, and let's see where it goes. And that doesn't mean I'm not committed. That doesn't mean I'm not keen to have a good conversation. It's just that what comes to mind is this kind of, you know, putting your hands around your neck and, 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 and suffocating or, or squeezing the tube of inspiration. But when you let go, the inspiration just comes through and you can breathe. And when you're centered and grounded, usually you come up with the, the right things to say. Again, like I, I, I feel, I sense, you know, based on what you said that, and I hope strongly that we will have another of these conversations because I, you know, whether I have the privilege to, to record it or not, like I, I really take a lot from it. And I, I think what you, 
I think you have the ability to, to really touch on very complicated matters because these are complicated matters. If not, you know, everyone would be, would be a mindfulness coach. Uh, but you have this, this, I think, ability to convey them in a very simple yet effective way. And, uh, and I think it's very unique. So, you know, for, from what I can say, first of all, thank you for, for doing this and, and, you know, taking part on, on this podcast. Um, how can people reach out to you? Um, and, you know, let's say, you know, somebody um, or maybe even a potential, potential client of yours, why not, like uh, comes across this, um, this conversation, like what's the best way to get in touch with you? So first of all, I want to say thank you for having me as a guest and the opportunity to, to chat about all these uh, important topics. I really do appreciate it. And second, I want to thank you for doing what you do, Matteo, because you're helping to raise awareness around these important topics. And um, that is, 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 is also very important um, and helpful. And then thirdly, thank you for asking me the question. Um, I think the easiest way is for listeners to visit my website, which is crystalspecies.com and perhaps visit my social media profiles. I'm on, I'm on pretty much all of them. Um, and then we can continue the conversation. And, you know, I strongly encourage everyone who's, who's connecting to this, uh, to this conversation to, to do so. Um, you know, like you said, like it started as two strangers connecting and it ended up in what was to me an extremely, you know, helpful and, and valuable conversation. So, Christoph, thank you so much again. And I really hope we can, we can do this uh, soon enough again. Look forward to it, Matteo. Thank you.